This episode is brought to you by Mr. Andersonville himself, Olin Ergel, a local real estate advisor with App Properties. If you're looking for an honest and experienced advisor who knows and loves this neighborhood, Olin is the one to contact. Visit MrAndersonville.com to learn more about Olin and connect with him for an initial real estate consultation. Also during this month, follow him on Instagram at Mr.Andersonville and be entered into a raffle for a new Nest thermostat. Welcome to Always Andersonville, the podcast. I'm David. And I'm Kaylee. Today we are joined by Matt Lace, owner and esthetician of the Men's Grooming Parlor. Matt's commitment to men's skin care keeps him at the top of his profession by staying up to date on the best, safest, and most exciting new developments in the skincare industry. At the Men's Grooming Parlor, you will see that his skill and knowledge mix seamlessly with his charming personality to make for a fun, relaxing experience that will keep you looking and feeling your best. Welcome, Matt. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me here. Yeah, we're excited to have you. Um, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your background? Uh, so I grew up in South Bend, Indiana, which is uh, like the home of Notre Dame. Uh, that's the big claim to fame there. And so like my whole you know childhood growing up just never felt quite right. Like I was counting down the minutes uh, to run away to the big city. You know, so I moved to Chicago uh, back in 1996. Uh, I started at the School of the Art Institute getting my degree in photography. And then I ended up ping-ponging around a little bit and finished up at uh, Columbia. And then right when I uh, graduated from school, I was on like the six year plan, you know, Uh, this is right when September 11th happened. And so it was like, oh man, they pretty much um, uh, groom you to be like a photographer's assistant when you get out of photo school. And uh, Chicago is like a really, really big um, uh, commercial photography city. So like any sort of like catalog or um, anything that's not fashion is usually photographed here in Chicago. So the natural progression is pretty much to go from photo school to becoming a photo assistant. But post 9-11, like all advertising, like ground to a halt, like no one was doing anything. So kind of taking that next step into like, you know, my career was really, you know, halted. And so um, I got a couple of gigs, you know, but it was so sparse. Um, But during school, I was kind of like a self-taught makeup artist. I would do my subjects makeup and then shoot their portrait. So with that, some of the photographers I'd assisted for before were like, hey, I can't afford my regular makeup person. Could you step in? And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, sure. Why not? And like, do y'all know like FTD floral? That was like kind of like a a floral network. So they were getting a ton of work back then post 9-11. And that's about it. And so he was, you know, it was all like little kids. So this guy, a photographer I worked with was really cool. He's like, you know, hey, can you just make these kids not shiny? And I'm like, all right, cool. This is great. Finally, I'm getting my career started. But then it was like, I could work once a month or like three times in one day. Like it was feast or famine, you know, and it was not sustainable. And so it was actually this photographer that I worked for. He was like, hey, why don't you get a job doing makeup like at a salon for like brides and stuff like that? And then I'll call you every time I have a gig for you. And I was like, yeah, okay, cool. It's wartime. I'm a homosexual. I'll go hide in beauty school, you know, like, let's, let's do this. This sounds like a good plan. 
Um, and so uh, pretty much like I got my degree at the Aveda Institute here in Chicago. I was the second class to like ever go through, which sounded glamorous until like we realized we were like the guinea pigs. So it was like everything that could go wrong. Like, oh no, the school doesn't have hot water for six weeks. Like, what are we gonna do? Um, so then when I got into school, the whole focus was, all right, this is going to give me uh, credentials as a makeup artist, and I'm going to go in to do to doing makeup. And of the course, which was about a year long or so, we spent about two hours like learning makeup. And I was like, oh, man, you know, like, so kind of got the, the bait and switch there, you know. And so but the more I sunk into school, just learning about the physiology of the skin and like Aveda's really like um, very spa-esque, very high touch, very um, emphasizing, you know, the massage and like the luxury of the, um, you know, aesthetic side of the industry. And so pretty much you do like your theory learning and you do that for about a good like three months or so. And then basically the rest of your program is just accruing practice hours so that you can uh, take your state board exam. And the way you get these practice hours is like, it's a genius um, business model because the Aveda Institute runs like a spa. Like I was generating, I think we counted up one day, $1,500 per person was what we were uh, selling that day as far as services and products and whatnot. And we paid them to work for them. It was, it was nuts. But um, after my first facial treatment that I ever gave to like a real like paying client in school, um, she started to cry afterwards. And she was just like, oh man, after the kids left, it's been so tough. And this has been the best day I've ever had. Thank you so, so much. And like, she just was gushing and gushing. And I, at that moment, I was like, oh man, how could I ever go back to doing something as superficial as makeup? Like knowing that I can make old ladies cry. So that's kind of where my career trajectory like took off, like right there. So your goal now is to make old women cry. <laughs> <laughs> um, quite quickly, when I got into the workforce, I was ping ponging all over downtown, like luxury spas at hotels. And I found out that I don't like working with older women. <laughs> like it was, uh, let's just say extremely uh, stressful. And I couldn't really like connect to my clientele. These were very like angry trapped housewife type of energy, you know, around the Gold Coast. And so it was actually, um, and it was lean for a real long time. Like I, there's about three years in a row that I was working seven days a week. Like I, uh, cause basically the whole structure for the industry is um, commission-based. And so when you're first starting off, you don't really have a client base and you're, you're gradually, you know, accruing um, clients. And so I would have like three eyebrow waxes a week, which I would make $7 off of, you know, accumulatively. So I uh, got a job as a paralegal working for a real estate attorney. So I would do that nine to five, Monday through Friday. And then I would work Saturday and Sunday at a spa. And both of those still paid pennies. So I was on like food stamps and, you know, I was um, stretching like a box of spaghetti the last two weeks. Like it was, it was the good scrappy times, you know? And then uh, one day there was, I was living in Lakeview, like Boys Town at the time. And there was a, a salon opening up and they were just having like an open house to like, you know, come check it out and drop off your resume, uh, you know, for hiring. And it was from that where uh, I met the owner of this um, salon and I was like, hey, what are you gonna do for your skincare room? And he'd never been in the industry before. So he's like, oh, what? 
And I was like, oh yeah, most, you know, most full service salons will do nails and you know, skincare as well. And so he's like, oh, tell me more about that. So without even knowing it, I kind of gave him a pitch to start a skincare division in his business. And he's like, all right, how much money do you need uh, for us to get this rolling? So I basically got to start my own business inside of this salon. And then I was there for about three years. And then after that, I was like, hey, wait a minute. And I, and I was killing it, man. Like, this is when my career finally took off. No more food stamps, no more spaghetti. You know, like it was like I was growing this um, uh, big, you know, uh, client following because I was finally just working with men. You know, oh, so I should have said that before. It was a men's only salon. And so, and it's just like, I kind of knew how to connect with them, what they wanted, their results that they wanted to see, et cetera, et cetera. Finally, like I'm working with men and I'm really hitting my stride and, um, you know, it, things were taken off. And then I felt like, okay, like this is time. I think I can do this on my own. And um, that's when I left and I started the men's grooming parlor. And that's been about like, like 13 years now, 12, 13 years that I've been um, here in Andersonville. I want to go back to the hustling days. What was your oh, biggest sure. hustle to work two jobs and trying to make it through eyebrow waxing and threading or, uh, and trying to make it work? What was that what? like? Because so many of the service industry is doing that to this day. Oh, yeah. Okay, so like at the height of my employment, so I had the nine to five legal job and then I was a personal assistant when I would get off of work. And so I would run errands for this woman. I would cook her food. I would clean her apartment, this, that, and the other. And then I would work those um, at a spa on you know, the weekends. And there were times where it was so rough. I couldn't even afford to take the CTA uh, to and from work. And I worked over in Bucktown and I lived in Lakeview. And I can tell you that's a three and a half hour walk. And so there were many times where I had to leave three and a half hours early for work just to get to work. And then you'd sit there all day long and I would do one eyebrow wax, which cost $15, of which I got, I think, $4.50 of that 15. And do you know like those waxy, like little Debbie pies, like yeah. the cherry pie? Okay, cool. So there was a bodega on the way that sold two for a dollar. And I would buy two cherry pies for $1.10, you know, and that was my um, diet for the whole day. And I did that, that cherry pie diet for oh, like probably like five or six months or so. I think Oprah recommended that one. one <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Six, uh, seven hours of walking a day and only eating um, waxy cherry pies. That'll, that'll get you thin. Yeah. Then I think it was cabbage soup after that. <laughs> yeah we've all been there where we had a hustle and yeah we definitely have those stories where you just have to make it work and landing into a position where um you kind of have stability in this space uh and you get to graduate from um what i'm going to call the struggle bus into having uh more security of knowing where your next paycheck's coming from uh, working in Boys Town, it must have been completely different than Wicker Park. Um, so, yeah, the spa in Boys Town, I think just based on the location alone, tons of uh, just neighborhood clientele and then tons of like um, visiting clientele, because I know that that was like the gay hotspot if you came to Chicago. So I remember when I was there, this was really cool. This was when the, the gay games were in Chicago. And I got to meet all these really, really fun, cool clients from all over the world who were like, oh, 
I'm here, you know, I'm a Australian swimmer. I need to go get my full body wax before the competition. And I never would have thought that I'd go from, you know, angry old woman on the Gold Coast to like super in, like crazy, interesting, fun Australian swim team like boys, you know, like that, that was a fun shift. Has a Brazilian ever gotten a Brazilian wax? Ooh, I, well, I have two Brazilian clients that do get Brazilian waxes. So yes. Nice. Um, I'm going to hop on to Andersonville because you've been in Andersonville since uh, 2009, correct? Yeah, yeah. And so when you first opened the men's grooming parlor in 2009, it was a two-bedroom apartment above Anta Primo. Yeah, yeah. So I was having the worst um, real estate search for my business. Um, you know, I had no money. I, even though you know my career was going well, it was enough to like live comfortably on, but it wasn't like I had this huge stack of cash to work with. And everything street level was so, so expensive. And I, I tried, you know, like negotiating, like, hey, landlord, I'll give you treatments. And, you know, how are we going to make this work? And I just kept getting shut down over and over and over. And then, so I'm having like this dejected, sad, lonely, like lunch outside at the Kopi Cafe. And so I'm sitting outside, it's like summertime. And I look across the street at Anta Prima and there's a for rent sign on the door. And it was like, you know, two bedroom, but like gave all the details. And then I was like, well, wait a minute from like my working uh, as the paralegal for the real estate attorney. I was like, that building is zoned B3 because they have alcohol and whatnot there. And I was like, there's no reason why I can't have my business in the apartment upstairs because you can only zone a building. You know, you can't zone each floor. And so um, you know, I called the number and they you know, showed me through and it was beautiful. You know, this gorgeous tall ceilings, tons of light everywhere. It was really, it had this nice, cozy, warm, homey feeling to it. And so um, you know, after I took a look at the place, I approached, you know, uh, approached the landlord with my idea to turn it into a business. And they're like, yeah, why not? Andersonville has tons of second floor locations, you know, like, like let's go for it. So yeah, that's how uh, I came to get my Andersonville location. That's awesome. amazing. And can you tell everybody a little bit about the services that you offer and if there's a customer favorite by chance? Sure, sure. So what I do here at the shop, um, I do uh, skincare treatments. Um, I do uh, full body waxing, body trimming. And then I've just added on um, uh, nail services. So manicures, pedicures, and then I've just added on recently a, a little bit more clinical skincare services. So uh, think more along the lines of like acne therapy and chemical peels, you know, things like that. But I will say for the last, you know, like 13 years or so, uh, my most popular service has been the men's Brazilian wax. It's pretty much once I um, took some courses and learned how to do that, and I got really, really comfortable at doing that, that's what kind of shot my career off there. It's something where you don't even get good at a service like that until after like your third year. So I feel like a lot of places offer it, but you know, the technician might have a trembling hand while they're doing it or be nervous or whatnot. And for me, it's like old hat. So that's pretty much what I do the most of and what the most demand is for. So Matt, you recently acquired a family. <laughs> I did, I did. <laughs> Tell us about your team, uh, and, and Merlin is actually a recent graduate of uh, the new uh, Global Grooming Initiative, a refugee and employment program that you started, correct? 
Yeah, yeah. So um, I had attended um, a benefit for the Helena Handbag Theater Company located, you know, here in Andersonville. And through that, I actually met uh, Tippi Hedren. She is the actress, the main star of Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. And so um, soon after that, I had seen a, a short documentary about her and I had, had no idea. I just knew her as the actress from The Birds. And as I dug into this and as I learned, uh, she's a really, really cool, inspiring woman. And it was actually uh, after the fall of Saigon, she did tons of work um, with uh, Vietnamese refugees, acclimating them to, you know, to life in America. And it was, uh, as she's working in these refugee camps, um, there was like, I think it was about 10 women were like, oh my God, you know, you're so glamorous. We used to be glamorous, we missed this. And so she saw kind of like the, the spark in these women this like kind of drive. And so she sent them to nail technician school. And so it's from those 10 women that we have like the $9 billion nail industry that we have today. I guess back then getting your nails done was like a one percenter thing. It was still just reserved for the you know wealthy elite and you know like Hollywood stars and whatnot. And so these women uh, not only got their you know certification in nail technology, uh, they then started their own businesses and took it into like underprivileged neighborhoods and ghettos. And they made it an everyday, um, an everyday thing that you could do uh, to boost yourself esteem and so as I'm listening to this I was like wow what a cool lady like this is so amazing like she didn't need to do that she could just be eating bonbons and you know um on a real housewife show complaining or something but she took this influence and she recognized in people that you know um uh, had the strive and just needed that little bit of skill set or education and then I was like but wait a minute we have a million refugees showing up in Chicago like every day you know and so I figured you know let's backtrack just a second like ever since my finances changed and I was no longer eating waxy cherry pies every day like I, I would donate to charities that I believed in but it, it felt like that um that momentary signing of the check diminished quite quickly you know and I was like oh I did something but that it wasn't like this lasting sense of fulfillment and so I kept thinking like I want to volunteer in person somewhere I want to like you know volunteer or uh, volunteer my time but just being an entrepreneur and running my own business time isn't really a, um, uh, a luxury that I have. So I kept racking my brain, I'm like, all right, what else do I have to give besides finances and time? And then I was like, wait, I've built this whole clientele and I've built this whole um, you know, business. I am, have been succeeding so well at this. I need to have someone else succeed in this business model as well. So that's when I got the idea to hire refugees and then send them to nail technician school and then have them come work for me uh, once they were all set. And so, yeah, um, Merlin is the first graduate of my program, the Global Grooming Initiative. She's adorable. She's amazing. She's awesome. She's coming from um, Honduras. She's been working at the shop for, I'd say, probably about like four months now. It's a little tricky with COVID. You know, it's not as um, uh, crazy as it normally would be. But everyone who has seen her has fallen in love with her. And they're all like uh, super diehard regulars now. So yeah, so that's that's the expansion of the men's grooming parlor family in the nail department there. So Matt, that sounds really awesome. Uh, how did you discover uh, Merlin? Did you go through a local organization or? So at the shop above Antiprima, the neighbors across the way, it was actually just a regular apartment. And it was this really cute young couple. And we would always kind of meet on the back patio and have a glass of wine after a long day or something. And so it was one night when we were hanging out back there that I told them this whole story. I was like, you know, I'm thinking about hiring refugees and like, you know, I want to send them to nail school. And uh, Katie, the, the neighbor, she's like, oh, Matt, shut up. 
up, shut up, come on. And I was like, hey, that hurts my feelings. This is my big idea. She's like, you know what I do, right? And I was like, no, I, I never really you know, got that far. What do you do? She's like, I do refugee job placement. And I was like, what? That is like, so the kismet of that coming together where my uh, search for how to find refugees that would be interested in this program didn't even happen at all. All I did was casually mention it in a conversation. And then uh, since then, Katie had moved on. You know, it took me about a good three, three years after that original in inspiration to have the project come to fruition. But she had set me up with this uh, local organization where she used to work called Centro Romero. They're just kind of um, up north by Gethsemane. And it was through them that I got connected with their uh, kind of employment uh, branch for all the services that they offer. And yeah, so the rest is history after that. Matt, you are just super fun and engaging and have so much fun uh, talking with people. Uh, the Men's Grooming Parlor has an amazing five-star review on Yelp, which is like the unicorn of Yelp because everyone has something nasty to say about something. But uh, quite a few people mentioned how fun and how great of an experience it is to come and visit you uh, and get their services done. Uh, but they also talk about the space as well. Tell us a little bit about the decor, the personal style, uh, your touch that you have um, as a brand. Uh, do you have a favorite piece or any stories that you like to share uh, behind any of the paintings, the pictures, the sculptures that all reflect um, a really, really just beautiful brand? Oh, well, first of all, thank you. That's so sweet to hear. So I guess uh, like when I first started the shop, it like um, validated any like hoarder tendency that I had, you know, <laughs> like uh, as a teenager, I always loved, uh, you know, thrift store shopping, et cetera, and whatnot. And then now with this excuse that it's for the shop, like that, like let the floodgates open. And so when I was kind of like thinking what direction to go, you know, a lot of the places I'd work were like Asian minimalist or you know, super modern. And um, when I was going off on my own, I was like, there's no, like in every waxing room I ever worked in, I always felt like the dentist's office. It was very like clinical, very sterile, very um, tight and uncomfortable. So when I was starting the shop, I was like, there's no reason it can't be warm and cozy and inviting. And so as I was kind of, you know, mulling around like what vibe and feel I wanted, um, I kind of landed on this idea of Indiana Jones's office where I was like, hey, what would Indiana Jones have in his office? And that literally like, you know, uh, validated or justified any purchase I would ever make. Cause I'm like, oh yeah, he would totally have this, why not? And then um, later I find out as I was digging into the Indiana Jones movies, you know, just to kind of get that, they always do a little peek of his, um, you know, home life before the adventure starts. And I totally forgot that he is an archeology span professor at the University of Chicago. So I was like, oh yeah, and it's a Chicago tie-in too. Why not? Let's do this. And I would say like a fun anecdote about like my favorite piece or like one of the best pieces is um, I have this huge 13 foot Marlin uh, that's hanging in my treatment room and it is massive. And his name is Stabby the Swordfish, okay? And um, at first I was looking, I found this really, really cool taxidermied um, uh, hammerhead shark but it was like $3,000. And I was like, oh man, I can't justify three grand for just one piece of wall art. You know, I got to decorate the whole shop. That's pretty much the whole budget right there. So I had turned to um, my good old friend Craigslist and I just typed in taxidermy and that giant sailfish uh, showed up in the free section. 
So not only, you know, did I get that Marlin, I saved $3,000 and I got him for free. And the guy I picked it up from, he was so sweet, so kind. He was like straight up old school Chicago. And he's like, hey there, Matt. Oh yeah, you want the fish? Come on back here. And he like worked at an auto body shop. So it's like 20 guys like that. And they're like, yeah, we started calling him Stabby. And I was like, oh man, I wanted to name him something cool like Balthazar or like Agamemnon, but I guess his name is Stabby now. So apparently this guy found it in an alley and it was kind of all broken up and he brought it home and he told his wife like, yeah, I'm going to fix it up and, you know, put it in the family room. She's like, the hell you are. And so she's the one that put it on Craigslist. And apparently I was the first responder, you know, 20 seconds after the, the thing posted. So yeah, that, that was one of my, my best scores ever, I would say. That's amazing. And I did not know that Anita Jones worked at University of Chicago. He's the best. I love yeah. Indiana Jones. I grew up on Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, other than obviously the amazing space you set up, um, what is the first time client experience like? Like walk us through the initial first appointment with a new client who maybe has not received a facial before to further appointments. I don't know. Like, how does it go? Okay, cool, cool. So um, one part of my business, I'm in my second location now. Um, so after 10 years above Antiprima, I moved. Now I'm about four blocks north, just right across uh, from the Jewel. And one uh, uh, element of my business is I'm on a second floor location. So it's always nice and private. Um, I had worked at several um, salons and spas and doing um, men's Brazilian waxing, it'd be terrible when like the front desk staff would be snickering and laughing or pointing or you know something like that. And I'm like, just the professionalism in the salon industry wasn't um, up to my standards. So what I always crafted was this very unique one-on-one -on -one singular experience. So you're never walking into a busy room full of six other people waiting or anything like that. So uh, I've got a buzzer. You just buzz the buzzer downstairs. You come on in. Uh, the door is unlocked. And the shop is um, set up very warm and cozy, uh, like a waiting or a family room slash sitting room. You know, it's like the front parlor. And so I've got a million things to look at. I've got tons of vintage magazines and like uh, David had mentioned, like all these uh, tchotchkes and artifacts and things that I've collected over all the years. And for me, it's like one of my uh, favorite triumphs when I come out to meet a new client and I see that they're standing up looking through my stuff or like they're paging through the vintage magazines and not looking at their cell phone. And I'm like, ha ha, I beat the cell phone, you know, like they're interested enough to explore this space. This is great. And so um, when they first come in, you know, there's a big smile and I say, hey, my name's Matt. With COVID, I ask everyone uh, to go wash their hands, you know, the quick little rundown, how you've been feeling lately, have you been traveling, etc. And then um, I bring them down. There's an extremely long hallway. So like while we're walking down the hallway, I just toss out the casual, you know, uh, questions just to put them at ease, letting them soak into the space there. And then um, I just get all the like housekeeping logistics out of the way first. So I ask about allergies, sensitivities, if they've ever been waxed before, if they've ever had a facial treatment before. Um, oh, and then uh, I'm a, a new dad. I have the cutest little dog named Bug. So then I um, let my little guy out. And so Bug comes up and says hello. And so they get to meet him. Um, and I always make the joke that like, if they don't meet him and they hear him rustling around in the back, I'm like, don't worry, the paparazzi's not trying to get nude photos of you. That's just my dog. 
Um, and then I open it up like if they have any questions before we dive in and get started. But what I try to do is make everything seem very calm, easy, natural, and commonplace. Because a lot of these services, especially for men, the spa environment's never been that welcoming for men. It's always kind of like a female domain. And it's usually um, you're greeted by six people and then they tell you to take your clothes off and put this robe on and sit over here. And it's kind of um, this whole, uh, I don't know, process that's very hands-off when you go to like a major spa. So what I like to do is just spend that first like three minutes giving them the full attention, kind of laying out what's going to happen. Like, hey, I need to know about your you know, allergies, histories, et cetera. And then I'm going to step on out for a second. There's the table. Here's what you remove. Here's what you keep on. Here's what you're going to do. And I'll be back in a second. And then usually within you know, it usually a, a first time client may be a little nervous or whatnot. And within five minutes, we're like laughing and joking and like, they're like an old friend. And that's what makes it not even feel like work at all anymore. That's amazing. And uh, speaking from personal experience, I love Bug, especially when he comes out. Uh, he is the cutest dog I think I've ever seen. Sorry, Stormo. Um <laughs> Where did you, did, was he a foster? Did you adopt him? You know, so I was looking for a dog for about a good two years, you know, and I was hitting all the local shelters and, you know, the websites and whatnot. Um, so I wanted uh, to have a shop dog so he'd be here with me all day. And I kind of had like a, um, a list of requirements. Like I wanted them to be little, just in case a client had a dog trigger. I didn't want like a 200 pound dog running up to greet them. And I wanted them to be um, hypoallergenic in case clients did have, you know, dog allergies. I didn't want them to be uncomfortable or sneezing or, you know, anything like that. And so to find a 15 pound hypoallergenic dog at the um, rescues just does not happen. They're there for like 10 minutes before they're adopted. So um, finally I was on the website PetFinder. Uh, oh, and I wanted a, um, a rescue just so I could know how old they were and their personality and how big that they were going to get, you know, like to get a puppy, you just kind of don't know what's going to happen next. And so, yeah, after about two years of looking, I found him on PetFinder in all places in my hometown of South Bend. Uh, he was at the Humane Society there. And so um, my, my folks are retired. And so I was like, dad, dad, you know, uh, you go down and drive to the, the, um, the shelter and check this dog out and see if he's cool. And like 10 minutes later, I get a call and he's like, oh man, he's so sweet. This is the best. And so I was like, that's it. And I slapped a note on the door that said family emergency. And I took off going home to Indiana. And as I'm on the car ride there, I see their like list of uh, like kind of criteria and requirements. And one of them was you, they don't adopt out of state. And I was like, oh man, how am I gonna, how am I gonna finagle this, you know, work this around? Like maybe I'm gonna have my folks adopt him or whatnot, like, I don't know. And I got too excited. So I just drove straight to the, um, the shelter versus my folks. And right when I walked in the door, it was my junior year prom date, Jenny Miller was working at the Humane Society. And I was like, Jenny Miller. And she's like, Matt Lays. So all those requirements went out the window. She's like, it comes down to this. If he gets sick, can you send him to the, the vet? And I was like, oh, totally. And she's like, is he gonna live outside or inside? And I'm like, oh, he's gonna live in my bed. She's like, all right, he's yours, go for it. And then it turns out he's an affin pincher, 
which I had no idea what that was. But then once I looked up F and Pinter on Instagram, they're really big in Australia. Like they're all over. It's kind of like the schnauzer of Australia. And um, they all look identical to him. And so it's so cute looking at these like Australian videos, hearing like the dog parents talk to their dogs. And I'm like, oh, that's your cousin over there. That's an awesome story. I don't think I I knew he came from South Bend. Oh yeah, yeah. We're Hoosiers. So to finish off the main section of our questions, I would like you to tell us one of the most important things you've learned in the course of your professional career. And what advice would you give to up and coming estheticians and future entrepreneurs? Okay, one of the most important things I've learned in my professional career is like um, learning how to do waxing and skincare treatments is not rocket science. And, you know, this has been an industry that's been around since the beginning of time. You know, what makes you different and unique is your personality. And I'm of that adage of be interested and be interesting. Like, you have to really focus on your clients. You have to be interested in what they um, have to say, where they're coming from, and then find that point of connection with them. And then it's not even like you're working. It's like you're chit-chatting with your old friend doing their eyebrows real quick just to make sure they look good for the next month. And that I would say, and then also on the other side of that, be interested in them, then be interesting. Like, don't just go to work and go home. Like, do interesting things. Push yourself. Have a a story or an anecdote to tell when clients come back. You know, so it's not just like, oh, I hate the weather. Oh, you know, politics is really stressful right now. Like everyone's going to have those uh, talking points. I would say, um, you know, I am a gigantic fan of antiquated TV and I'm always watching Charlie's Angels reruns. So I'll always have a story for you about like what Kelly and Bosley and the rest of the gang got up to last night. And I feel it's that and then connecting uh, with my client when I can, um, and, you know, most of my clients I've had for, you know, 12, 13 years. So like, I know about their last vacation and their kids and the new place that they just got or that they started their own business in Andersonville or, you know, um, is that making sense? Like, uh, yeah. So be interested in them, like genuinely interested and then keep your life stimulating, interesting and fun. So you have something to bring to the, the social element of, of this type of work. What was the second part of it? Is there anything that you, would, you wish you knew when you first started out that you would know now? What would you tell your past self? I don't know if it's anything directly along those lines because I feel like when I set out to start my business, I went up and down the street in um, uh, Andersonville and introduced myself to the shop owners. And, you know, most people were working, the owner was working there. And I would ask if I could take them out to lunch. And then I had a whole list of questions, but one of them was like, what was your most expensive mistake that you ever made? And I think just getting, um, connecting with people like that, I sidestepped a lot of pitfalls um, getting into the the business that I did. Having, uh, just being open and honest and inquisitive. And if you ask any business owner out to lunch, they're going to love to talk about themselves for an hour. So I would recommend that to any new up and coming esthetician is to uh, get brave and network with people that you aspire to be like. Where do you like to be taken out to lunch? <laughs> Ooh, that's a good question. Pre-COVID or, or 
damn. What what uh, Lady Gregory uh, run by Martin Corname is my favorite place in the whole world. <clears throat> no, that's a tough one. I don't know. Little Bad Wolf. I love those mini burgers at Little Bad Wolf, man. If you guys want to buy me that for lunch anytime, I, I will lovingly go. <laughs> awesome. Matt, we're going to do rapid fire question. Okay, I'm ready. You're not able to see these, but. Yeah, I'll start. All right, so we're moving into rapid fire questions. Um, first off, favorite style icon. I know it's going to be hard, but you can do top three if you need to. That's tricky because I'm not into that stuff. <laughs> I no think, way. Do you remember Jose Eber? Like yes. he was like this super crazy, fun, flamboyant hairstylist that would wear like a cowboy hat and he had like hit like a ponytail down to his butt. And he had this um, product called Secret Hair, which was just clip in extensions. And everyone's like, oh my God. And I just remember like, what? This guy is a wackadoodle. Like, how fun is he? And he's like one of those people, like, I'm famous because I said so. And like, <laughs> this is OG. This is like 86, 87. And he was probably, you know, famous for 20 years before that. But that's when I found him. And then I found out one of my um, loves of all time is uh, Jacqueline Smith, who plays Kelly and Charlie's Angels. And I guess those two have been linked up forever. Like she has her own line of wigs that he styles and designs and helps create and whatnot. So maybe I do have an answer. It's Jose Eber. Google it kids, you won't be disappointed. Please check out the show notes for more information. <laughs> Next question, style crush, James Bond or Liberace? I would say business Matt has a style crush on James Bond. Home personal Matt has the style crush on uh, Liberace. Oh, and there's a siren. Sorry. There you go. Good answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next question. This is a shot in the dark. I saw on Instagram. You just posted a clip from this movie. Um, in your opinion, which Star Wars movie or trilogy is the best? Oh, that's a good one. I have actually, this isn't a rapid answer, but I got a good answer for this one. I would say, uh, the, A, my favorite Star Wars is the original, um, which was called Star Wars, but then renamed Star Wars Part Four, A New Hope. Um, and even just the first five minutes, like I fell in love with Princess Leia. Uh, just, you know, the visual, the youth, you know, all this and, and that. And as I grew and aged um, into the man I am now, I have found so many more lessons in that first five minutes of Star Wars. If we could, rewind back to I'm working at the salon in Boys Town, things are going great, you know, like my career is really taking off. But it was this very unstable, toxic environment where everyone's doing coke in the bathrooms and the boss was um, sleeping with half the staff. And I was like, oh my God, we're gonna get shut down. You know, it's just a matter of time and I'm doing well, but there's all these outside forces that are gonna sabotage this. And so I will say my, my impetus and my push to start my own business was fear-based. It wasn't like, I'm ready and let's do this. And so like uh, to bring that back to like Star Wars. So here we've got this 19 year old princess has the plans of the Death Star, you know, like in her hands, this is gonna um, seal the fate of the world. They're gonna triumph, but oh crap. Like now they're being boarded by the bad guys. And it's like, 
she does not for one second panic or run around or hem and haw or like, oh, should I do this? Should I do that? She doesn't even ask anybody else for their counsel. She gets super um, down to brass tacks, analytical, puts the plans in R2-D2 and shoots them out the, the tube. And then when she's caught, she has so much poise and dignity and like, you know, zipper lip, like she's not going to give away the plan. And it's just that sort of like, Stacey Abrams strength in the face of adversity has been such an inspiration to me. I look up to Princess Leia first five minutes of the original Star Wars many, many, many times in my life for, for guidance there. It's kind of like, what would Jesus do? But what would Princess Leia do? I love that. <laughs> That's so fun. Fun fact about me. I brought when Revenge of the Sith came out, I bought my lightsaber to show and tell with the movie. Oh, Star Wars nerd too. So yes. I love that answer. <laughs> okay. How do you perform self-care in your free time? Um, okay. So backstory on this one too. So growing up in South Bend, it was very sports driven. This is Notre Dame football, IU basketball, and being in these very hyper-athletic, hyper-machismo, um, you know, spaces was like uncomfortable for me. And in my house, there was only one room that had a lock on the door and that was the bathroom. And so at a very young age, I remember um, turning the shower up all the way and sitting down on the, the floor and putting conditioner in my hair and like reading the back of the conditioner bottle. <laughs> like just that copy had the most luxurious verbiage in the world where I was like, oh yeah, um, was it herbal essence? There's essential oils and, you know, uh, botanicals nourishing my hair. like. So I've basically taken that with me on my whole life. So I would say every day I spend an extra 10 minutes in the shower. I either do a face mask or something like that. And that's when I do my meditation practice. So it's like warm and cozy and steaming and it feels um, uh, transportive. You know, it's taking you out of just the, the regular every day. And I feel like it's a good way to like get grounded before entering a busy, hectic day. That is a great representation of what we're currently celebrating in the middle of February of Huga. That just warm coziness in the middle of winter. But yes, that's that's awesome. That's me. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> Again, great energy all the way around. <laughs> so next question. Do you have an era that you would like to travel back to? Ooh, that's tricky. I mean I, feel, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel, um, God, again, I feel like this is a therapy section. I keep talking about my childhood, but um, uh, I, I feel like my whole childhood was in syndication. So even though it was like 1984, I was watching reruns of shows from the 70s. And I feel like that's what shaped and formed my worldview, you know? And I feel just the stylization of automobiles, the fonts, you know, um, uh, the hairstyles, like all this stuff just seemed very um, evocative of what the outside world was. And so I think if I could go back to any era, just so I could enjoy the entirety of the 70s and 80s, I would go to like 1969 and then move forward from there. Favorite style from the 70s? Ooh, God, it's gotta be Jacqueline Smith's hair for sure. I know everyone thinks fair is the favorite, but oh, Jacqueline Smith's like cascading, like wing-backed curls were amazing. 
I love it. Dead or alive, who are three people that you'd like to invite to a dinner party? This is tough. Dead or alive, can they be fictional? Yes. Okay. Um, well, first of all, I would want Oda Mae Brown from Ghosts because I think that is one of the most fascinating characters I've ever encountered in my entire life. And actually, I think I'd want to like marry her, have her as a roommate. Like I wouldn't, one dinner party would not be enough for me to hang out with Oda Mae. Um, I would say number two would be Jane Fonda. It was actually reading her autobiography is what gave me the inspiration to start my own business. I feel like she's lived 20 lifetimes in one lifetime and has a lot of fascinating things to say. And then uh, number three, I would definitely say Stacey Abrams. Like, I bet she has got some stories to tell. And just to be in the, the presence of that much tenacity and grit and strength would be, would be pretty cool. Kaylee, um, you're a good big ghost man too. <laughs> oh yeah. When you said that, my jaw dropped literally. I don't know if you saw it, but I think David did. I love Ghost, and I feel like it's very underrated, especially with people my age. Nobody really has seen it, so it makes me sad. Gotcha. Like, Patrick Swayze, you're kidding. He's yeah. Like, oh, my right. gosh. Love that, man. <laughs> no, totally, totally. Totally. Um, so I often reference ghosts. Um, I would say the hardest part of being an entrepreneur is that you don't have an employer taking your taxes out. So I often feel like Oda Mae Brown holding on to that million dollar check when the nun is like, they're doing like the tug of war. He's like, no. And I'm like, mm, don't take my money, IRS. But oh, okay. It's for the good of the children. Why not? <laughs> That's incredible. Um, <laughs> I will ask the last rapid fire question before we close up. And this might also be kind of hard, um, but you can only use three skincare products for the rest of your life. What would they be and why? Um, like as an esthetician, I'm supposed to say like sunscreen and like retinol and you know, like all that stuff. But I feel that's, that's too easy of an answer. I would say um, I am a big fan of Lush. Uh, it's like a so handmade soap and body care uh, company. They make, and I'll boil it down just like the one product that I could not live without. They make this soap called Karma. And it's made from, I think it's like tangerine oil and amber and a little bit of patchouli. So it's like warm and citrusy and cozy and like earthy. And that's usually, and it's so fragrant. If you just have a bar of that soap in your bathroom, the entire bathroom has that scent. So I'd break it down just to that one product is what I couldn't live without. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should get Lush to Andersonville. Yeah. They're an eco company. Yeah, um, I, I got it so crazy because I actually used to work for them. That was one of my like 18,000 jobs. And it's so crazy. Three of the girls that I worked with, and this is 16 years ago, 17 years ago, they're all top of the top now. Like there's this one girl, Erica, who like she's in all the demonstration videos. Like she is the, the face of um, like the Lush products now. Like, I used to know her way back when. That's so cool. They have this, um, it's like this oat vanilla face mask that I used to get yeah. all the time. It's refrigerated. I don't remember the name. It might be like 
something with a, like an oat cookie. I don't know, but it's amazing. Because yeah. I mean, so those like masks are like so experiential. Like there was one that was like a, a chocolate cupcake and uh, one, it was like a oatmeal raisin cookie or honey and honey bunches of oats or something like that. Um, but yeah, those are super fun and they smell fantastic. Tell us how you could book appointments and some like three of the services that you, that you uh, offer. Okay, so if you guys uh, wanna check out the Men's Grooming Parlor, I do all my appointments with online booking. So it's just mensgroomingparlor.com. There's a nice big juicy button that says book now. Uh, three of the most popular services I would say is the Men's Brazilian Wax, uh, a full body trim and a pedicure. So yeah, uh, book an appointment, come on in. And we'd love to meet you guys. Come on in. <laughs> <laughs> How's that sound? <laughs> that was perfect. That was perfect. Sure. Thank you, Matt, for joining us today. And thank you for <laughs> listening to Always Andersonville, the podcast. For more inf- information about the Men's Grooming Parlor, please visit mensgroomingparlor.com. Episode show notes are available at andersonville.org. Always Andersonville, the podcast, is produced by the Andersonville Chamber of Commerce and currently recorded via Zoom. We thank you for your listenership. And if you like the podcast, Please subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting platform. We are also actively looking for podcast sponsors to sustain our production. Please email us at info at andersonville.org for more information. Thank you for your continued support, for staying active in our community, and for staying always Andersonville.